All right, we are live for this weekly state of the market update. Um, as a reminder, uh, this is held every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, you are welcome to feel free to ask any questions throughout the session. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, uh, and I'll go over them right now uh, since the last uh, meetup or the last event. So number one, what is the latest update uh, related to uh, the off-market situation. I want to cover the policies that are changing related to off-market properties and what that what that ultimately means. Number two, we'll talk about the uh, unemployment figures and what this means from a rental perspective. Uh, especially, I invest in multifamily properties out of state, so I'll give you my thoughts uh, talking with some of the experts uh, over the last several weeks of what their game plan is. Um, number three, we'll talk about the credit markets, how that is faring up. Uh, is it getting worse? Is it getting better? We'll talk about that. And number four, we will talk about this time the East Bay market, see how it fares versus the other counties here in the Bay Area. So we'll go over uh, a drill down of the numbers, see where inventory levels are, and we'll see uh, how, how prices are uh, reflecting of that. Uh, number five, this time around, I want to go over some things that are interesting to me that this has been popular. It's not so much happening in the Bay Area, and uh, there's various different reasons for that. But uh, what is the impact of these larger firms? So like there, there's a concept called iBuyers. So uh, Open Door is the, is the largest iBuyer in the country at this time. And uh, what kind of impacts they have had, uh, which we'll go over. Um, you'll also see different brokerages lay off a lot of people. And I'll talk about the difference between brokerages and we'll talk about uh, realtors like myself as an individual. We'll talk about the next thing about covering new homes. Um, I get this question a lot as new homes are still a great option. Um, many areas construction is slower, but some areas, uh, depending if it's essential, it's still moving on at, at full force. Um, so there's no delays. And so we'll talk about the state of the market for new construction here in the Bay Area and what they are doing. I just got a recent report yesterday uh, having a having done a group call. So I'll share that information out. And then uh, the last thing is, what is the one thing that I'm worried about in the Bay Area? Um, we have all this terrible news um, as to layoffs and and um, just dire situations. And a lot of the, what I show today is, is going to be reflective of that. There is one company left that if things change, um, then I'll be a lot more pessimistic uh, because I know they have been growing and they're, they're using us as an, as an opportunity to grow significantly. So there's one company that uh, really is a big indicator for me of the Bay Area. It doesn't mean things will tank per se, but um, th that company will have a lot to do with my opinions of how things will, will be over the next few months. So we got a lot to cover. Um, of course, if this is a live stream, so if there's any questions, you're, you're welcome to write it on the feed below. I'll get to it when the time is applicable. And then um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. All right, so number one, the one big change. So this was for realtors. We've known about it since uh, January 1st, but this is where uh, the National Association of Realtors wanted to create a more fair situation uh, amongst brokerages where you can't just have an, a, a property off market 
and shop that around and not have it on the MLS for everybody to be transparent and to be able to see. So this was actually uh, agreed upon and effective actually January 1st of 2020. However, local implementation is actually going to be enforced on May 1st, 2020, which is most have not done it yet. And they're going to be waiting until this date. And so what does this mean? This means that off these quote unquote off market or uh, pocket listings cannot be shared in public settings anymore. So for example, I have done in the past where uh, a client doesn't want to show it on the market, doesn't want it on the MLS, they kind of want to shop it around. So I can go on Facebook groups, I can send it to my, I can do an email campaign, I can do a blast. Um, that is going to now be restricted. I cannot do that um, starting May 1st. And if anyone gets caught, uh, it's going to be one of those situations where someone can report you for doing that. And there are pretty significant fines. Uh, I think the first fine may be even a thousand dollars. And it goes from there. So it's going to be very strict. Um, however, it does not mean at least reading what the national association of realtors has said, it does not mean that it's going to be gone for good. Um, but these kind of public or private networking groups, uh, you're not going to be able to do this. Um, so that has changed. However, one of the areas which is interesting is um, there's a section here that you can actually, what about pocket listings? So there's a section here that talks about that you can actually still share it within the same listing brokerage. So what this actually means, I think, from a competitive perspective, that the bigger brokerages will continue to do better um, and gain more agents for this reason because they may have a bigger uh, pool of other agents sharing amongst each other. So I think the what this also means is that the smaller uh, uh, orgs um, are, are going to have a competitive disadvantage um, if people are going to still be able to share with amongst each other. So the, the concept is, I get the concept, but I think the execution, especially related to this piece of it that they have included, is, is still bizarre. It doesn't make too much sense for me of what was the point of doing this. But starting May 1st, um, off markets are going to be changed. Uh, it's it's going to be, you're going to be penalized if you're not, if you're, if you share it amongst even your own Facebook group or Facebook page. So that's pretty, um, that's pretty different, pretty interesting. So that was the first one that I wanted to cover. Um, number two, I want to talk about the unemployment figures. I mean, these look, I mean, looking at all charts, these are horrendous. I mean, if you think, look at the weekly claims, you can see um, while the, the, there's a decline in week, new weekly claims, it's still, an, an, as an aggregate, a very high number at 26.5 million. Now, maybe some benefits of this, I believe I saw the statistics, which is about 75 or 80% of these are furloughed. So um, they're more on hold versus being laid off. So there is a little bit more light where if things start picking up and things start getting open again, which a lot of uh, states are going through different processes of how they actually reopen the economy. Uh, this is a, uh, that's a little bit of a, of a bright side for the situation. However, these figures are still very large. You can see how many claims there are versus the time in the past. So this is very dire for renters. Now, it's also always important to understand, um, who are the buyers in a local market to begin with? So if I'm an if I'm somebody in 
you know, Las Vegas, which 20% of their employment is casinos. Um, and because of the price points are significantly lower, there's, there's a lot more impact for home ownership there, um, for that reason. Um, however, it's, it is important to understand who are the homeowners in the Bay area, which I tell my clients and I tell the audience, um, quite a bit and, and it is what it is, but most homeowners are not in the service industry per se. I mean, they may be, have a component that's related to it, but it's not directly the same as, uh, as somebody working at, at a restaurant as a server. So it is important to understand the dynamics of, okay, well, this, will this impact the home ownership side of it? It will. There's no doubt about that. But is it as extreme as what these numbers show? And the answer to that is likely not. Um, but what does this impact? The rent impacts significantly the rental market, especially if a lot of these people are living paycheck by paycheck. Um, it'll definitely significantly impact that. So where do I see opportunities and where do I see um, this? Now, home ownership side, like I said, I don't think it impacts that much, uh, at least as of right now, related to the people that are claiming this unemployment. But I personally invest in multifamily um, complexes out of state. And so there may be opportunities in that area over over a long period. It's too early right now because one, you can evict people, two, there's there's plenty of reserves in, in place for it to ride out for some time. So there are uh, aspects where it, it needs time to play out. However, much like many asset classes, so when people lost the opportunity to do like house flips in the Bay Area, they started doing other things and multifamily syndications, which is pulling funds together to buy a complex, uh, had had a quite a bit of uh, interest over the last few years, because it was always claimed as recession proof. Um, and while it will hold better than most asset classes, it still will be impacted. And so a lot of the people that had bought these complexes, their assumptions with how rent would increase and how, uh, how much reserves they need, um, they were getting into projects that weren't really making sense unless things kept rising significantly. So what does that mean? Things will play out, um, likely over a year. So it's still early, but likely play out over a year, um, where there may be really interesting opportunities where, because their underlining baselines are now completely different, um, it exposes them and it creates opportunity for new sets of investors to potentially partake. Now, of course, this is still fairly early. So as we get closer, um, as in months later, we'll kind of understand and assess if things play out as they they are anticipated to play out. Now, if the economy goes roaring back and we find a vaccine or we realize for whatever reason that COVID is not as bad as people think, we have herd immunity, these other factors can significantly impact that outlook. But if it is what it is right now, which is a very slow recovery, then there there may be some interesting things uh, that take place on that side. So if that is of interest, uh, of course, this is a separate topic altogether about investing opportunities. You're welcome to reach out to me. We can talk further about that asset class. Um, I may be doing some interesting things in that asset class uh, over the at the end of the year, depending on how things look out. So that's what I wanted to cover related to the second uh, topic, which is the rental figures, uh, unemployment figures, along with multifamily opportunities. So 
Um, next thing I want to bring up is related to the credit markets. So credit market wise, um, this was a very welcome news. So uh, the previous uh, episodes I went over from a uh, home ownership perspective, it was actually too easy to get into forbearance. Um, there wasn't anything that you need to share. Like you didn't have to show, oh, I can't afford it or I don't have enough assets to afford it. So unfortunately, it was on the one of the spectrums that it was just too easy to do. So I've seen and heard, and everybody has their own personal decision to make, where people were just skipping payments because they can take advantage of this opportunity. And this could be just for the primary homes. This could be for investment properties. It could have been all over. And so uh, it really put a lot of pressure for the mortgage servicers because they still have their uh monthly figures and monthly amounts to pay, even though that income is not coming in to be able to pay for that. So it creates a squeeze. Now, one of the things that, uh, you know, you have your supply and demand challenges. However, you also have the external forces, which is the government of how they can alleviate pressure. So the aspect and the fact that Fannie and Freddie Mae, which are huge government agencies related to loans, are able to now buy some of those will alleviate significant pressure uh, for a lot of these servicers, which they're going to continue to um, continue to ask for this assistance to be able to stay afloat. Um, so that's a really good sign uh, as the government has has really taken a lot of steps this time around to be uh, more active, but also more open initially than what has happened in the last real estate cause recession. So that's something I want to share. The other thing is there are there are notes and there are still going to be notes. Um, Chase, as an example, uh, which is a top four loan originator, um, had had increased their, uh, the requirements of FICO scores to be 700. Um, and they just they really tied in the guidelines. It doesn't mean they're, they're out of the business by any means, but they tighten it. However, if you look at the report, it actually says that they are doing this because they're focusing on the re refinance opportunities right now, given the lower rates. So it's a combination of potentially you can you can think of it as maybe less risky assets by getting into more properties because refinances are significantly safer since there's likely a significant amount of equity built in. So it could be a reposition of their business of how they're they're making money. Um, so it's important to understand what this means of when a company like that makes that kind of change. Now, it's also very difficult and unfortunate for those loan officers because they're just not as, um, they are just not as competitive in the market. So those loan officers, I mean, they're they're gonna lose business uh, unless, you know, they're gonna lose a lot of business actually um, versus the others like Wells or Bank of America in, in this case, like Movement Mortgage. So Movement Mortgage just uh, a day, just yesterday, they decided to roll back what the guidelines they had initially, which was a little bit more restrictive. So they, they rolled it back. They saw the situation. We're going to lower our FICO scores again. We're going to roll back uh, some of the overlays. They can keep servicing loans. So this is a good sign that some have loosened their guidelines again. Now, um, every bank, like, like always, like every bank always had its own guidelines to begin with. And so it's not... You never want to assume just because one bank does one thing that all banks will do it. So like Chase has a different approach than movement mortgage versus others. Um, and it just, it just depends on where they want to be competitive at. So it's always important to know, don't use it as a general blanket, 
there are still plenty of loans today that you can go 5% down, 10% down, 0% down. There are many loans still available. So it's important to understand and talk to myself to see what available options are there for you. And then I would introduce you to the right bank that has those guidelines to be able to help. So that's something to, to keep in mind related to the different mortgage companies. Now, uh, a quick update related to the trends of the mortgage rate. So we're very close to all-time lows, which was actually in early March. Uh, there was a very brief period that the rates uh, dropped drastically. It was only like two or three days. And then it, it rebounded sharply up. But the trend is still going down uh, over time. It just takes longer than you may hope and think. Uh, as I mentioned, the different banks have their own guidelines and different things of what can be refinanced. But at least as of right now, the average amount is 3.33%, slightly higher than all-time lows, but I, I suspect this will continue to drop down over time. All right. So that was um, number three related to the credit markets. Number four, let's talk about the market update. What is the state of the market? And this time I did a, an analysis of Alameda County, which is considered uh, for many the East Bay. So you can see these figures. Um, I haven't gone over this at all. So this is a first time looking at this with you guys. However, much like the other counties, it's a very similar um, event. Actually, in the East Bay, in this case, the new listings had dropped significantly more than other counties uh, from 183 to about from 400 on a weekly of new listings to 183. So that's about 60%, 55 to 60%. Um, the amount of transactions has also dropped significantly. So you can see this is when the shelter in place occurred. This is where we're at right now. And so we're at some incredibly low inventory levels. Um, I mean, we've dropped to one only 129 new listings. And this was pulled as of today. So we have one more day of, of the week that I have shown. But you're going to be expecting that these are some of the lowest figures uh, that we've seen for some time. Now, the thing is, as well, the volume has also dropped significantly pre-shelter in place. However, the ratio between ones that are that are going under contract versus new listings is that that amount is 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 uh the percentage is much higher than before so the amount of buyers versus the amount of new listings uh we're having this squeeze we're also having significantly less that are withdrawing uh, the ones that are wanting to have it on the market are leaving it on the market and so this is some of the inform this is some some of the latest data for the alameda county so give you an idea it was about 54% of a drop of new listings on a week-by-week -week basis. And then the volume has also dropped significantly. So what does this mean? If you can look at the charts and the trends, I suspect it's going to be roughly around here. New listings, this was a very concerning one of how it dropped this much. Uh, it just means there's only so many vacant properties um, available. And so I suspect this number will be around the same, if not even slightly lower, which is very challenging. And so what does that mean? The, the the buyers I personally have seen have continued to come out. So there's more and more buyers that come out these days. So there is more competition than just two weeks ago. Um, many are still selling in a matter of days, depending on how they price it and the condition of the house and obviously the location. So it is, it is fairly concerning uh, with such a limited amount of listings. 
uh, that come on the market every week. So you can see month of inventory continues to drop. We're about the one month level now. Um, so this shows you how quickly things are getting turned over. Um, it's getting very difficult for buyers that are still able and interested to buy. Price-wise, you can see, I mean, this is this is going pretty deep into April at this time. This is uh, as of today. So there's only one more week of April. And keep in mind, the prices over time is typically about 30 days, 30 to 45 days of when the when a sale was made. And so for me, since I make offers every week, I know what properties are being sold for. And I still see the trends as pretty much either flat or a slight increase in most counties. So I suspect that will continue to be the case moving forward. Uh, prices are not declining, um, as I mentioned, because of the supply and demand of buyers and new listings. We're, we're experiencing a squeeze um, that's happening right now. And the other component is interest rates continue to drop, and that that will continue to help uh, new buyers. So this is this was really interesting to see uh, because now we're already towards the end of April. This is one chart that I want to share now. Uh, it's a sales to list price ratio. So right now we're at 106% of the list price um, versus the sales price. Now on my last video on Tuesday, I went over how do you determine the fair market of, of of a home. Uh, list price is a component more related to the marketing side. However, there are indicators where this also shows that it's kind of slightly increasing above what it should be. The bigger things that, sh that would be more alarming is if the, the percentage is actually negative, then it shows actually people that initially priced it or maybe priced it too high and the market is going down. Um, but this is an indicator that supports that continues to rise. So this is, um, this is another uh, aspect of the sales to list price ratio. So that's the market update for the East Bay. Now, number five, I want to go over what does this mean um, when the transaction volume has dropped uh, significantly? As you can see, the volume has dropped 50 plus percent. And this is not uh, unique to the Bay Area. This is actually the same statistics that I'm seeing from other realtors all across the US. And so what does this mean for companies? Um, a company like Open Door. So for, for those that are familiar with iBuyers, then you'll know Open Door is the largest player in the space by far. Uh, I have many friends that work there. I know how their business model works. Um, basically, an iBuyer is a company, an online company in a sense, that has a lot of algorithms on the back end of how they can value your house. And their, their pro is they, or their benefit is making a seamless transaction where they say, hey, like, we'll buy your house at whatever we feel is valued at. Do you want to sell it to us? And so in certain markets, they've gained about 10% market share. So I know Phoenix is one of the biggest markets, um, and uh, but they're in like 20 plus different cities. This is not really applicable to the Bay Area because they're not in uh, our market. I don't suspect they'll be in our market for a very long time for various reasons due to the average price, um, but also it's not as cookie cutter as some of these other um, cities. So there's much more variances, which makes their algorithms way significantly harder, even though the Bay Area market moves very fast. So that's uh, that's that's a that's something just to be aware of that this is happening across uh, this iBuyer space has been very popular over the last several years. However, even them themselves could not have forecasted such a spike in unemployment in their markets, which are more service-based. 
Um, and so they had to lay off a significant amount of people um, because the volume transaction is 50% less. So how can you keep the same amount of employees when the volume is significantly less? Their challenge as well as as an iBuyer, they actually hold the inventory. So it's actually even more of a issue where they actually have all this inventory that um, that they bought either a month ago or months ago, and they're holding on to this. So, so there, there is going to be interesting for them, especially if there's any sort of market declines uh, in those markets, because they're basically holding and will be selling at for a profit of zero or negative. So it's a very interesting for them uh, as an iBuyer because they had a lot of uh, a huge rise because of the market was booming in all the markets that they were in. And now they had to lay off 35%, which is very significant for a, uh, for a startup that raised billions of dollars and have plenty of capital, at least at, that, at a given point. So that's really interesting. The other thing that's interesting is related to Redfin. So Redfin um, is a uh, basically an online brokerage. They have their own agents. Uh, their business model is very different than uh, myself, and I'll highlight that later. But they had to lay off um, their some of their employees, 7%, and they laid off a lot of agents. And what was the interesting stat that I actually saw here is they felt that the they felt the furlough decision, it was better to furlough agents and that $600 weekly contribution was better than what they would have made. So it's like really bizarre thinking like the realtors made 2,400 bucks a month, which is like 30,000 a year. Um, so it was really, really interesting when I saw that stat, like that means most of them are not doing very much uh, to begin with. And so they trimmed a lot of realtors uh, from Redfin, and but it's also just bizarre. Like, yeah, so like this is like this is actually where it says, which is where I find very very interesting. They estimate seventy five percent that live in the states that will allow them to earn more from unemployment than from Redfin. Like they're making thirty thousand dollars a year as an agent for Redfin. It's like it's is bizarre to me, but nevertheless, um, they had to lay off a lot of people. So Redfin. Um, goes back with how many new listings are coming on. There's a lot less, 60% less, 50% uh, less transactions. And so they're also uh, taking a cut and, and struggling. Now, it is important to understand these are companies. Now, me, it's, it's very different for me as a realtor because I own and operate my own. I have my license in this case hung at eXp Realty, which is a large brokerage. So they may have cuts themselves because of the management and and uh, from kind of different backend systems that they're working on, that's irrelevant to me because I do my own thing. Every agent will will do better or worse depending on themselves. So it's not like a traditional company where um, I'm I'm getting paid a salary and work for them. I make no money unless ultimately I help somebody buy and sell real estate. So it is important to understand the differentiator between that now. At the same time, I suspect a lot of agents will leave the business. Like it is not very um, uncommon for you to hear. Like most realtors are just not doing anything right now. Yet I'm being very busy and being more active than ever, given the times that we're in. So it's it is all case by case of the individual uh, realtor as to what's going on. So that is something to share related to what has happened at Redfin. Now, 
Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is new homes. So new homes are always a, a good option, especially given the severe lack of inventory that we have right now. Um, most of them have done a very good job with uh, virtual tours, uh, virtual floor plans. And so the two that I heard yesterday um, through a uh, through an ARIA event is related to KB Homes and Summerhill Homes, which are two very popular and great builders. So uh, if there are any of these homes that are of interest, you're welcome to browse on their website. And uh, I would love to help you um, decide as to what is the best situation for you and how do you negotiate a deal? Now, many people assume that uh, you'll get some big discount if you go direct, which is actually untrue. The commission amount is already baked into their marketing plan. Otherwise, they would not want to work with realtors, number one, and it will significantly impact their business, especially now when business is way slower. So there is no benefit of going solo, especially typically on the buy side. You're not paying anything anyways. Um, it all comes from the sell side. So you're basically getting the benefits of a professional realtor like myself uh, that has done over 20 million in the last year to be able to help guide you and negotiate for you. And that's the thing that I want to bring up here is the prices as of right now are not uh, being adjusted as in they're not dropping, but they may, you, you don't know just yet. And it will be based off of communities. However, just even though these are new home constructions, many communities, if you know which ones are willing and able to review offers. So there, so it's like a pre-owned homes where, Hey, look, if you feel like this home is worth a million dollars, let the realtor negotiate for you and make it work. Or maybe there's different amenities that you want to add on, on top of it or different programs. You can still negotiate on these different things. And you should also be aware, like what else is selling in the area and what did it sell for? Because you want to use those comps to determine, are you, are you overpaying for this or what should you do? So those are the things and criteria that, uh, like someone like myself can still help you with on determining, uh, what are the best options given this time, even though it's not reflected on their public websites of any price reductions. Now I wanted to showcase a few of these things. So KB home, you know, what they have is pretty cool. You can go on any of their plans. You can see the different floors and the different layouts. They have different options that you can choose from too, which is, which is nice. So you can say, Hey, look, if I, want, if I want an optional Island, you can pretty much design your own property yourself. So it's, it's pretty neat. Um, it's pretty neat to, uh, and you can add furniture. It's, it's almost like the, there is these different AR augmented reality apps. So it kind of reminds me of that. So there's different things that you can do to plan. Now, Summerhill Homes, I like a lot. They're very good builders, very high quality finishes. And they and from a virtual tour perspective, like they've done a lot from a content uh, view. So you can watch aerial views. You can do uh, interactive floor uh, walkthroughs. They have usually 3D Matterports, depending on the, the, the timing of when this property is complete. So there's there's quite a bit that you can do related to uh, really virtually seeing it. And so as I mentioned, I'm happy to do this with you to give you an idea of what to be aware of. Happy to also run my comps to be able to share with you what to expect and uh, what you might be able to negotiate as that's where the value of a realtor also comes back in. So 
my last and final point, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out uh, on the links below. And um, let me just quickly do this. And otherwise, I will conclude with the last thing I have. So I'm going to conclude with the last thing I have. So there's been uh, significant job cuts um, in different companies. Some have had hiring freezes. It's also important to understand hiring freezes uh, just shows that they want to assess the situation. doesn't mean they're necessarily cutting people yet. So that is important to understand. Um, and, and it also may be dependent on specific uh, product lines um, that, that are important to them. Now, the one big factor that I look at is related to Facebook. If you think about Facebook and where their money comes from, majority is on ads. Um, and those ads, a lot are targeted for small, medium-sized businesses. It's actually quite amazing what percentage of revenues from SMBs versus from big companies. And so they have a direct uh, impact, clearly, of what is, has, has been going on with COVID. And however, prior to this, because I track corporate real estate um, growth, uh, they were building like crazy all over the Bay Area. They have a huge office for the ARVR team in Burlingame, which is should be getting, I mean, it would have been moved in by now, but it's all built and ready to go. And that's very premium property in Burlingame. That's number one. Number two, uh, they have the uh, extension of their Menlo Park campus. Uh, some people call it like an airport terminal. So that is still going underway. And that's going to add a lot of product and engineering teams. And they also have another site, a couple buildings out in the Sunnyvale Moffitt Field area. So um, the key is Facebook out of all uh, groups is out of all big tech is the one that is still uh, as of this time, still aggressively hiring as they want to add in 10,000 people in product en and engineering this year. They feel they have a duty to do it. And they also feel it's an opportunity to take great talent while others are laying uh, people off. So, um, this is a very important indicator. If I see this change, then I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't think we're in this doom and gloom and things will crash, but it's, it'll be very disappointing to hear and very unfortunate. And then my expectations, expectations may change accordingly. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Facebook uh, over time, if they make any changes to this, but this was a very positive sign when they made this announcement, they have not changed this thought. Um, and they're still, if you look at their profit wise, it's still a, a very incredible uh, amount. I think last quarter, their profits were $7 billion for the quarter. And so uh, this is a big sign. And this is something just to, uh, that I actually personally keep track of mainly because I know how they're growing their footprints from a corporate real estate perspective. And I also know how they're growing, um, in this case, employee count. Otherwise, all that space is just going to be sitting empty. So it'll be interesting to see. So that wraps up uh, this one. Uh, of course, this is a weekly uh, live stream every Friday at 12 o'clock. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me direct. Uh, this will all be recorded, so you're welcome to tune in and look at any time. And uh, have a nice weekend, and we'll go from there. Bye-bye.